So just to show of hands, how many of you um, love surprises and spontaneity? Just raise your hand. Spontaneity. Yeah. Good. <laughs> and then how many of you do not like surprises? You like routine and predictability. Raise your hand. How many of you are married to one or the other? Yeah. Are your friends? Um, some of you love the idea of uh, plan the work, work the plan. Others, you wake up every day like, today's a surprise, okay? So uh, think about a minister that's trying to communicate to both groups of you right now, okay? Uh, but we're going to do the best we can because uh, right in the midst, right in the heart of this series on Acts, we, we've got two messages here that really go hand in glove, and it appeals, hopefully, to everybody. Uh, so first of all, for those who don't like surprises, I want to eliminate that surprise and let you know exactly what's coming. So in Acts chapter 10, uh, we're going to get into what we call radical inclusion, and we're going to talk about the problem. And there is a problem that is identified. And then next week, we're going to look at Acts chapter 15, and we're going to look at the answer. And I'm going to tell you what the answer is next week. That's a surprise. So now everybody's happy, okay? So you've got your text. Um, I want you to know it's going to take a while to get to what the problem is. Uh, uh, just minutes away, uh, we'll have the big reveal. But in order to really understand, we really have to do a quick summary of uh, those first nine chapters of Acts so that 10 makes sense, okay? So if you remember in Acts 1, we started with the promise of the Holy Spirit and the ascension of Jesus. Acts 2 is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Then chapters 3 through 6, the church increases in number in Jerusalem and surrounding areas, but persecution is right there. Acts 7 and 8 is the first martyr named Stephen, and we're introduced to this zealot Pharisee named Saul. Acts 9, Saul is on his road to Damascus. He encounters Jesus. He's converted. He has a new name. He has a new heart. He has a new mission. And then rapid fire, it tells you he goes to Damascus, Jerusalem, Caesarea, Tarsus, and he's got a new mission in life. But then there's this kind of this fading out of Paul for just a little bit, and we're introduced back to, in chapter 10, Peter. And the book of Acts, as I've shared before, at this point is like a hinge. Uh, you're going to see that God opens a door that only God can open. Peter is in Joppa. You probably remember in the Old Testament, Joppa, uh, that's exactly uh, where Jonah left from, trying to run from God. Uh, but in order to fully understand the problem we're going to get into, we need to go all the way back to Genesis because that's where we identify the root of all these problems that we go through in life. It's the curse. Genesis chapter 3, you know it well. Uh, verses 14 and 15, just listen carefully. He says, So the Lord God said to the servant, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock. Of all the wild animals, you will crawl on your belly. You will eat the dust in all the days of your life. Now here's where you need to underline this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Let me pause there. You know what enmity means? It means a condition of hostility war. So God is telling Satan, we got a serious issue right here. Sin has entered the garden. 
And sin separates man from God, and it also separates and severs the relationship that man has with one another. And so he says, we are now entering a condition of hostility. And from this point forward, this is war. Now, we already know who the winner is. It says, between you and woman and between your offering and hers, he, who's he? Jesus. Jesus will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Uh, I never saw, the, saw this more vivid than if you saw The Passion of Christ years ago. Tough, tough movie to get through. And you probably remember in the garden that scene where the serpent crawls out and Jesus takes his sandal and smashes the snake's head. And I thought that was actually brilliant because that's exactly what the scripture says is Jesus has already won. Can I have an amen? I mean, he's already won. But here's the sad and sickening news. Because of sin, Jesus will suffer. Uh, Satan will strike his heel. There will be pain. That curse, that sin, uh, is the reason we fall into so many, so many areas of conflict in our lives today. And when you think about that word curse, and you think about the year 2020, is that appropriate or not? Um, I've heard people call COVID a curse. The other day I heard a prayer and somebody called COVID our modern day plague. I think that's true. Matter of fact, I don't know if this is true or not, but rumor has it back in March, uh, there's a Mexican beer, maybe some of you are familiar, Corona. And don't raise your hand. Uh, but it, the rumor is they offered the healthcare department $15 million to change the name from coronavirus to Bud Light virus. Now, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> but we are living in times that I don't care who you are and I don't care your age. We've never seen this before. And some would say, is, is this straight from God? Is this? And I would just say, it's a part of the brokenness. It is part of the curse. And God said, uh, until Jesus comes again, we're going to live with these seasons that it feels like a plague or a curse which leads us to Acts chapter 10. And when you get to Acts chapter 10, we begin to see from that curse, this is a problem that is identified. Verses 1 through 8, it's, as the story unfolds, uh, we're in Caesarea. It's around 55 miles north of Jerusalem. And when you get here, uh, we're introduced to this guy named Cornelius. What a guy. Uh, he is over... Um, He's called a centurion because that means he's over 100 men. Uh, but not only is he over 100 men, uh, more than that, he is craving to grow in his relationship to God. Matter of fact, if you look at his characteristics, it says uh, that he is a devout and God-fearing. He's generous to those in need, and he prayed on a regular basis. And as he's praying, uh, he receives basically a vision from God an instruction from God. God says, I've heard your prayers. I love your heart. You're doing a lot of things that people don't even know what you're doing, but I know what you're doing. So I want you to send some men to Joppa. And there's a guy there named Simon Peter. And you need to bring that guy back here. And he's going to start answering these really tough questions that you have. So being a devout man of prayer, what's he do? He gets some men and he sends uh, these men to Joppa to find this guy named Simon Peter. Uh, what a great story so far. 
And then you get to verses 9 through 13. And it says right there at the top, Peter's vision. Starting in verse 9. Now, we've, now we're moving right to Joppa. And here's Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down from earth by four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill, and what? Eat. Now we read that and we're like, well, he's hungry. That's no big deal. Except that broke everything in his moral code. Like, Lord, you can't possibly have me eat. This is unclean. You know this is unclean. I, there's no way I could do that. And God is just driving home this point. You got to get behind the curtain. You got to trust in me. Uh, we know all about that phrase, uh, get behind the curtain. I think it actually came about from the movie The Wizard of Oz. I'm sure some of you have seen that movie. Perhaps you've heard of it. But uh, this classic movie, The Wizard of Oz, of course, towards the end, um, uh, they think Oz is this amazing individual that can give them anything. And then Toto, you know, is barking, and they pull back the curtain, and there's this squatty little guy, and you're like, oh, what a joke. And you think, even when you look behind the curtain, what you find really is hopelessness. Now, that's a movie. Actually, that had a tremendous impact on people, believe it or not, even spiritually, after that movie came out. But that's not the curtain God's pulling back. No, when he pulls back the curtain for Peter, he said, what I'm offering you is freedom, and you need to be free. So your question should be, what's he free from? Verse 14, surely not, Lord, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And then the voice said to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And then immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Why was Peter having such a struggle? Well, that's because he had surrendered as a Jewish man to the Old Testament laws. By the way, there are an estimated at the time 613 laws, 248 were positive laws. In other words, these are things you're required to do. And they said that that had to do with, at that time, that thought, they thought that's how many bones and main organs you had. They're pretty specific. And then there were 365 negative or thou shalt not rules. Now, why do you think 365 played in? Every day, you need to be reminded what you shouldn't do. Does that not sound like a mother? I mean, come on, every day, you don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so that's how Peter lived his life. Now, what's amazing is that he walked with Jesus for two and a half to three, and he never picked this up. But you know what? Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you're chosen. There are others that God is opening the door for. And now Peter has to come to the realization is, here's the problem. I'm prejudiced. Now, I hope you know there's good news. In verse 16, 
Did you see how many times God had to hammer that home? Maybe that's because he's a man. Three times. Three times. And Peter had to come to this point of, that is a problem in my life. I, I have separated myself from others, and I have held myself up because I'm Jewish, and I'm prejudiced against Gentiles. And Lord, if you ask me to do anything to move forward, to help the Gentile, as hard as this is, I'll do that. All right, God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to bring them to you. I'll take care of it from here, but you have to start clearly looking at your heart. You see, up until that point, Peter's prejudice was this, that Gentiles should not in any way receive the same inheritance or have a place in the kingdom of God that he should have. And God said, bad attitude, and that is absolutely wrong. You ever thought about that word, prejudice? Um, Here's one definition that I like. It says, a judgment or opinion formed before the facts are known. A preconceived idea, whether it's favorable or more usually unfavorable. Now, how in the world could you be prejudiced and that be favorable? Well, the Bible talks about that, James 2.1. In other words, he says, if a really wealthy person comes in, what's James say not to do? So on the west side, we'd say you don't give them a seat in the front. They don't get extra biscuits and gravy. They don't get special treatment just because you don't look at them and say, oh, I know we've got to have that person as a part of our body because they're something. But on the unfavorable side, it's when without any facts, we just kind of make a judgment on people. It's the proverbial uh, reading the book, the cover, you know, judging a book by its cover. I mean, all of us, if we're honest, we deal with this. Can I have an amen? Now it's getting quiet. Man, now he's getting close to home. We all have prejudice. I have prejudice. All of us have to battle this in our flesh. So a few weeks ago, um, one of the favorite things Marie and I got started uh, last year is working with uh, young professionals. They're all in their 20s. Um, and by the way, we, at once a month we get together, they bring the food in, and it is like drop-dead good. I mean, it is good. Uh, they're not bringing buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken. No, they're bringing in the good stuff. And last time we were together, we talked about prejudice. So I played a word association game with them that I'm going to play with you. Now, you don't have, matter of fact, don't yell out answers, but if you want to jot these words down. So I'm going to give you a word or two. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Okay. Here's the first word. Hoosier. Okay. Now, if I were to give this anywhere, then here, Hoosier actually would be positive or negative. Trust me, it would be negative. Okay. So, but here, it's not. Okay. Blonde. Let's I knew that would get, yeah, I got to laugh there too. Okay, blonde, okay, the homeless. Teenager. (laughs) It's kind of like blonde. We have a lot of opinions there. Police officer. Protester. Christian. And if I were to go around to different groups, different backgrounds, and I shared the exact same words, guess what? They would be thinking something different. There's something 
and all of us, we have to battle. Matter of fact, it's very common, especially this time of year, since we're talking about prejudice, talking about how difficult uh, you're driving around, okay, or you're walking, and you look in a yard, and you see a sign, okay? You know what I'm going, don't you? And it boldly proclaims yard sale this weekend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and when you see that, you're like, oh, my land, it's going to get crazy. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when you see the signs, do you think, oh, that's great. I love America. I love our freedom. Or do you think, what is wrong? Okay. Am I hitting a nerve? See, we all struggle with this. All of us do. There's a book uh, that I love uh, called The uh, Deeply Formed Life. Uh, and this is a quote I love. It says, the cross of Christ isn't a bridge that gets us to God. It's a sledgehammer that breaks down the walls that separate us. He didn't go to Peter and say, Peter, let's have a chat. No, God, in a vision, on a roof, three times said, you're going to change. You're going to change. You have to look at your heart. You have to look at what you're battling. You have to look at your own prejudice. All of us are called to do the same thing, and that's not easy. Then you get to verse 25 to 33, and we see that as Peter entered the house, I love this, of Cornelius, Cornelius met him, and he fell at his feet in reverence. Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. And while talking with him, Peter went inside, and he found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, this is so important, you are well aware that is against our law for a Jew to associate or to visit a Gentile. But God has showed me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now let's just rest right there and let that one sink in. Here's this guy, and he falls down at Peter's feet. Don't you love that? Peter goes, no, you, you got to stand up. I am just a man. And he goes, no, i got to be clear. And isn't this Peter's trait? I, did you expect him to say anything else than the absolute? He goes, you got to know that as a Jewish man, I shouldn't even be here. But I'm here because God has changed me. And then he shared the gospel. Isn't that awesome? that he realized God is so much bigger than prejudice. So we, too, need to realize that all of us are called to take next steps in this regard. So you're probably aware, if you've known me, that I like baseball. And years ago, the, the first African-American ball player was Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson, in 1947, uh, his rookie year, uh, was in Cincinnati, and... Um, Man, the fans were letting him have it. Actually, they were letting the entire Brooklyn team have it, but he could hear, like, brutal racial remarks. And years later, he said, it was at that moment that I thought, I don't know that I can handle this. And he said, and <laughs> Pee Wee Reese, the second baseman, came over, and he just put his arm around him. And he said, he just stood there with me until... There was this one particular fan that was screaming, and he looked right at this fan. And when that fan finally shut up, then Pee Wee Reese went back to second base. And he said, Pee Wee Reese didn't realize that that was the moment I knew 
I could get through this. It's not these big grand gestures. It's simply a heart allowing God to lead us, even to people we don't understand and people that we may not agree with. So this morning, just a few takeaways. First of all, just like the Wizard of Oz, there's a curtain that we all need to be willing to pull back and let God identify what we need to work on, all of us. The second thing is we need to be obedient to God's prompting and take the next step. It's just so easy to let everybody else do it or somebody else do it, but when you sense God prompting to have the conversation, to take the next step, to do something that takes you completely out of your comfort zone, just like Peter, you need to be obedient. There's an opportunity coming up at the East Campus on November 14th. It's Saturday. It's a racial reconciliation workshop. It's the second one. And uh, you just go right into the worship center between 9 and 11 a.m. So if you want more information, we can get that to you on November 14th. And then this is a big one. We need to look for guidance and wisdom in God's word, not Facebook, Google, or politicians. I mean, I'm sorry. That's not the absolute truth. This is. This is. And so when we start drawing opinions, I could care less what I read on Facebook. This is what matters. Now, if this keeps you up at night and this keeps me up at night, praise Jesus. But if anything else is keeping you up, it's time to step back and say, God, I want to look to you for guidance. So as I was praying over this message, I thought, is there a a verse that, especially with the times we're in right now, that I think speaks to all of us that we can share together. And I thought about James 1.19. And we're going to read that together. It's going to come up. Are you ready? Let's read this together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Let's say that again. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. There it is. Every day this week, just say that in your prayer time. Because you know how hard that is, uh, especially this season, to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Didn't Neil hit that right on the head during communion? Are we good about not wanting to say anything? No. We like to say stuff. And uh, we need to say, God, let me be a better listener this week. And then slow to anger. Now, I want to close with the rest of that story, which I absolutely love. There's a happy ending. Anybody know what happened? You need to read it. It's great. So Peter's sharing with Cornelius. He, He lets God change his heart. And Cornelius and his entire family come to Jesus Christ. Think about that. Now, how do you think Peter felt when he left that day? Do you think he thought, man, I, I just wanted a meal on the roof. I didn't want God to just work me. No. I think he's like, God, thank you so much. You've opened the door for the Gentiles to find Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And he wants to do that with all of us. 
He wants us to have a heart that says, I am willing to follow you, and someday we'll walk away and go, Lord, I can't believe you helped me to win somebody to you who's totally different than me. Is that possible? You bet it is. That's how God works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, wow, it is, it is such a powerful text. Um, there's just so much there, Lord, and just work on our hearts. And help us, Lord, to just uh, lean into you and realize that if you call us, that we need to have the courage to take those next steps. Work on our hearts, Lord. If there's prejudice in our hearts, Lord, uh, just root those things out. Because at the end of it all, we want to draw closer to you. We want to be more like you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.